Certainly it is my wife and my great honor to be with you all on this night and be celebrating this august occasion with brother and sister Myers, the Reverend Dr. David Ellis Myers and the newly Reverend Amy Myers. Uh, these wonderful people of God that we celebrate. Well, I see that the clock tells me it is nine o'clock. And I will not try to squeeze all the nectar out of what I feel the Holy Ghost has directed me to speak tonight. But I do invite your attention, if you will join me, in two verses of Scripture. Ecclesiastes, the eighth chapter, and the book of Acts, the third chapter. It is my true high honor to call Brother and Sister Myers our friends. We love them dearly. Uh, we will prove one day that we will fight for him. Uh, <laughs> that's an inside joke. We have been around the world uh, together, and, uh, and it's been a great, great times celebrating joy and gladness and the peace of the Lord. And I'll tell you what, you know, you, you better find some people you can vacation with that still love God on vacation. Listen to me, folks. I, I know I look young, but I'm not young. I'm telling you, this way we're walking is in is too important to go around with players. It's too important to find people who are frauds. No, 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 no. I got to have people that when the sun's not up yet, they're still loving God. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about we're talking in tongues all the time. We're not. Sometimes we're playing, what's the games we play? Sevens and, and Rook and golf and whatever it is I'm fighting to stay awake and they're all ready to rumble and but uh it is a joy Ecclesiastes 8 the 10th chapter I mean the 8th chapter the 10th verse one verse and so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done Acts the third chapter Verses 1 through 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Everybody say beautiful. To ask. <laughs> to, I was getting spiritual, and then I just got uh, some humor <laughs> when, I, when I saw beautiful, beautiful sitting there right in front of me. I thought I was about to get anointed and then beautiful, beautiful hit me. <laughs> uh, at the gate which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple ask an alms. Everybody say this is the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Allow it to be a light unto our feet and a light, a lamp unto our pathway. Let our spirits and our minds glorify you. And as we have come together to celebrate these 25 great glorious years of which your glory has filled the tabernacle of the Lord in Palm Bay, Florida, we do so by beginning with praise and adoration to you. Now, allow the word of God to settle into our spirits and let it to be a powerful force for your church. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. I'm preaching for your consideration when beautiful 
is pretty on both sides. You may be seated in Jesus' name. We are here to commemorate 25 glorious years. But as we look back in the life and the trajectory of the church, these have not just been any 25 years that you and I have been a part of in the last uh, couple of decades of our lives. The last quarter of a century has been a different kind of season in the creativity of mankind. MySpace come along in 2003, and I will always remember when, as a pastor that year, I had to deal with some things that had propped up and popped up in my congregation uh, because of things that people had put on MySpace. It was an abnormal thing for us to have to deal with, and I'll always remember, in fact, in my notes right now, I have what is called the MySpace correction. <laughs> it's tickling in me right now just to think how far we've come. Uh, MySpace, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Because in 04 came Facebook, and Twitter showed up in 06. But then in 2007, something was invented and introduced on January the 6th that would forever change the attitude and the atmosphere of people's lives. The iPhone was introduced to the world. Pastoring would never be the same after that instrument was put in the hands of people all across the world. What seemed to be a phone, we found out, was far more than that. And with its blessings also came its burdens. Along came Netflix and PS3 and Xbox 360 and Instagram, and all of these things do have an effect on the atmosphere of a church. They can impact the way you think when you walk through the doors. They can impact the way you go to sleep at night because of the echoes that these digital devices bring into you. We are called to live in a time when the digital media gives us countless channels of distraction, when micro-tribalism and cultural segregation and collapse of our common spaces surround us on every hand. These past 25 years, ladies and gentlemen, have not been a normal 25 years. And we have to understand that in this age when digital interpretation is piled on top of attention deficit disorder, in a world where children hunger for the attention of digitally distracted parents and where conflicts are negotiated through text and romance is revived through online chat, and living in a hemisphere where fewer people are present where they're standing. Uh, the Church of the Living God in Palm Bay, Florida is here to celebrate that we are still standing. Uh, I know some help's coming in this house. There's, there's still glory in the church house. I miss people. I miss people when I'm around them, and I know they're not nearby. Their earbed, earbuds tell me to do not interrupt them. Their iPhone tells me not to impose upon them. One author wrote, said, uh, I miss people. He said, no one is where they are. They'd rather be with somebody miles away. 
I, I miss them. And yet, in the house of God on a Friday night at 9.06, you still sit here leaning forward into the word of the Lord, hungry for something that you know is going to be sent by the Father of above. And you've come to receive the life and living force of the Lord. We have spoken from two texts in your scriptural reading. And the one that might be the most pronounced, as you see it, is the one we read from the book of Acts. Very familiar text of scripture. The Luke uh, of the Bible wrote the most words in your New Testament. And he was known as a doctor. Dr. Luke, uh, he was renowned because of his large vocabulary and his use of medical words and words that were not always accessed by the common vernacular of a fisherman. And so when you read the, the writings of Dr. Luke, you're reading a man who came with a precision in his language and he came with a dynamic in his speech that expresses itself throughout his writing. And yet we know not only did he write the gospel of Luke, he also wrote to us the most dynamic book that we live out, the book of Acts. And he, he opens that book with what you and I are familiar with in the very first chapter of an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And then he gets to chapter 2 and says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And we're familiar with that chapter and verse. Uh, and then we come to what I am going to preach from just for a few moments this evening. And that is the second part of or the second picture of the book of Luke. Uh, here we have the story of a lame man that is carried daily to a gate of the temple. The temple had a gate that was called beautiful. And the, to just get in a little helicopter with me and rise above the text, you need to understand that while so much of this text, you may have even thought I stopped reading too soon because I didn't get to the part that you're familiar with where he looks at them and says, silver and gold have I none. <laughs> but such as I have, I feel my shout coming on. I, I know that part of the verse. And yet on this anniversary evening, I want to... And lift your mind above just the miracle so that you can see that it's interesting that this Luke writes more words about this event than any other event in all of his writings. More of a context is added. Two separate messages from Peter are given because of this miracle. The leaders are preached to by Peter and the people are preached to by Peter. The, this process goes over not just one day, but it is describing two separate days, two chapters. And it was a physical miracle to start with. But in the second part of the fourth chapter, Luke goes forward to tell us this was not just a miracle. This was a sign. A sign is a miracle with a, with a message. And he tells us in the second part of the fourth chapter, a long ways from the miracle, that this thing took uh, over 40 years 
to build up to. So why, why, Dr. Luke, do you find it so important of all the things you're going to tell us about? You're going to tell us about revival in Samaria. And you're going to tell us about the empowering of the Holy Ghost into the Gentiles and Cornelius. And you're going to tell us about Philip being translated and Stephen being stoned. And you will tell us about the disciples of John the Baptist. But why is it that you feel so compelled to put more words to the story of what happened at Gate Beautiful than of any other story that you talk about in your writings. Here we get some of our favorite verses. It was in this context we get, repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins might be blotted out. When the, everybody say, times are refreshing. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. This, in this setting, is where we hear the statement, uh, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, uh, which has become the head of the corner. I, I know you thought it was just about a lame man who wanted silver and gold, but was able to walk, but it's more than that. It's in this context that the the peak of the story gets to this amazing verse. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It was in this story that we find it said, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God judge you, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. There's something building. What, what, what are you doing, Luke? Why could not have you taken more time on the translation of Philip? And why did you take so much time about this little situation at beautiful? Well, let's talk about beautiful for a moment. This gate. In our text, beautiful is a place. It's the best place Israel had. Come with me to Temple Mount, will you? Because there is a place where the Gentiles have to stop. Where the Queen of Sheba could not go further. There was a place where only the children of Israel could move on. There was a season in Israel's history when there was an evil general that came down. A king named Antiochus Epiphanes. And he came and overtook the temple that Solomon had built and he brought in a pig into its precinct and asked a compromised preacher to kill that pig on the altar and yes the abomination of desolation settled in before Jesus ever walked on this earth and there was one man Maccabeus who said I can't take it anymore I will not tolerate any compromising leader and he drew his sword and killed every priest that would sacrifice a pig in the house of the Lord and a battle ensued and in just a few days lights all around South Florida will ride up and it will be called Hanukkah and it will be the celebration of eight days of light whereby in that temple just beyond Gate Beautiful before Jesus came they had to fight to protect the precinct of the Lord and as they sat in that holy place they shut those doors and fought at the gate 
beautiful so that there would be holiness on the inside. And the reason Jews all around the world will light a candle every day for eight days is because during that time they ran out of oil, but they said the fire kept burning in the tabernacle. They said we got to remember that as long as there's a man of God who will keep the place clean, the Lord will keep a light on in his house. I know you just think Hanukkah is a festival of lights, but I want to tell you what it really is. It really is a celebration that when there's one man who will stand in a place of God and say, we will not compromise, that God said, all right, I'll keep a light on for you. But, 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 but come, come, come. We're not there now. Jesus has already come. Jesus has already been crucified and buried and resurrected and ascended. And, and they're going to the house of the Lord. They're going to this beautiful gate, the best place Israel had. The threshold where the daughters and sons of Zion could leave the chaos of Rome and walk into the calmness of God. Out there, Rome rules, but in here, righteousness reigns right here at this threshold. And Josephus, the historian, he wrote about this gate, this gate beautiful. He wanted to preserve its remembrance because when he was writing about it, it had been torn down by Titus. And he, even though he had, it was an admirer, he did not have the abilities of an architect to describe it, but he did his best. He said, 15 steps surrounded it, somewhat like this pulpit, 15 steps up and they covered the gate with Corinthian gold, which was the, an alchemist mix of gold, silver with arsenic, that when the sun rose, the dazzle of the dawn showed upon this gate, and it was only called Beautiful's Gate. It was an amazing place. It was the, the only way you could get into the holy place, and it was called Beautiful. One historian records that it is an exceedingly sumptuous and beautiful. What two words to be applied to this place? Will you go with me? It's sumptuous because on the left hand of the gate is where the griddle cake makers would keep the scent of fresh bread always going at the edge of the gate. And on the right hand side was where every royal priest who was called to the sanctuary service, they could not wear their royal robes and regalia of righteousness outside of the holy place. They could only walk like a common man when they left the house. But when they walked into the house, they had to go to the right side of Gate Beautiful. And there they put on the regalia of the righteous God of Israel. And when they walked back out, it was as if Chanel walked out and they were going into the holy place of God. And so if I could bring it to your modern day imagination, they had Chanel store on one side and Auntie Anne's on the other and everybody said this is beautiful beautiful but all the pomp and glory blended with the fragrance of fresh bread does not show shut down the presence of pain that's on the outside but I want to tell you beautiful has two sides this was more than a miracle, it was a sign. A sign is a miracle with a message. A miracle is temporary, but a sign speaks of things that are eternal. 
And in the text, beautiful was a place. But let me tell you something. In our world, beautiful is a space. And all that is beautiful is not pretty. In fact, you can get around a lot of things that seem to be beautiful. And after you get close to them, you find out that beauty is only skin deep. But ugly is to the... That beauty is a matter of place and perspective. But in this situation, there's pains out here because there's a lame on, on the outside. But if you will look a little closer, and this was what Luke was trying to say, not only is there pain out here, there are problems in there. There was two sides to beautiful, and both out of, both of them had some ugly on them. This man who was getting healed thought by certain terms when I get if I go inside the precinct of the holy place for 40 long years, I've tried to get there and not have been able to. But now I'm free. I'm healed. I'm going in there. But when he got in there, he found that the pain he had outside the house was not all that different from the problems that he encountered inside the house. He ran from out of the frying pan into the fire. Little did this lame man know that he had been really laid for 40 long years between a rock and a hard place. And I understand you thought the miracle was supposed to be the one I preached about today. I know you thought I stopped reading my text three verses too soon. But the deal I want you to know is to feel more to this miracle than just learning how to run and leap and praise God. Because there's some pictures I need you to get a grip on. The first thing that is in this scripture, it says, now Peter and John were up, went up together into the temple. What's in that temple? Well, the hierarchy of those who had crucified Jesus were still praying at that altar. Yet here go the disciples. They were going to the place where the rushing wind did not come. Yet here go the disciples. They were going to the place where there's no witness of cloven tongues of fire. But here go the disciples. We know that they continued steadfastly in the apostles of doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread and in prayers. All those things I can get along with because I don't have to walk into the place of worship where those who have crucified Jesus are also walking in. If ever a disciple had a reason to not go to temple, these gentlemen had a reason not to go to temple. And yet the Bible stresses they have going to the temple daily with one accord. And so what I want you to see is there's a dynamic tension in this text that is bigger than just a man who needs a miracle. There is a going and a coming to the house of the Lord. That beautiful has two sides to it. There's an outside of beautiful where it seems like I have certain kind of peace out there. I don't have to run into certain people. And then there is an inside of beautiful. Well, there's a certain calmness in there. But I do have to meet certain people in there. And that's why I bring you to my second text. I'm about to close, but I want you to get this. Ecclesiastes, the eighth chapter says, And so I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy. 
and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. You, you, you would imagine that the wicked didn't know where church was. But the Solomon who wrote both Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and his song said, I saw something that stood out to me. The wicked buried. And the wicked who were buried were people that I had seen come and go from the place of the holy. They were acquainted with its address. They knew where it was. They had gone and visited and then they left it. But the difference between the wicked and the righteous is very similar to what Solomon said between a just man and an unjust man. He said about a just man, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. And I preached last Sunday, tell hell I'm getting back up. But I want to tell you there's something else that Solomon witnessed. He saw the wicked come and go from the place of the holy but they did not have a comeback in their spirit they just came and they went and if i could stick a new tag on that i would say to all of you tell hell i'm going back to church Come COVID, I'm going back to church. Church struggle, I'm going back to church. Problems in the house, I'm going back to church. Corruption in the pew, I'm going back to church. I've been through enough in this world. And I've been through enough in the church to know that all that glistens isn't gold. That all that's shiny isn't valuable. That there are complexities in the house which cannot be seen. And there are complexities outside of the house which are not easily known. I know that in life you got to go deeper than just scratching the surface. That life is not as simple as it seems. I know that there's not fire and wind every time we have church. I know there's not always dancing and singing every time we have prayer meeting. I know every day's not Sunday and every month's not May, but real churches sometimes have struggles, sacrifices, and storms. Sometimes there's Sadducees in the sanctuary. The crowd that crucifies him still show up. Sometimes those who come to church may not be the church. Sometimes there's sin in the sanctuary. Sometimes there's a fuss up in the house. But there's two sides to beautiful. And there's a beauty on this side. And there's a beauty on that side. But it takes something special. Somebody who knows the power of God to recognize that out there it's not beauty beauty alone and in here it's not just beautiful all the time but you're not going to keep me from coming back to the house of God even Paul talks about it he describes it he says that serving God is multifaceted he said there's trouble within but there's terror without. Paul said our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without 
with fightings. Within were fears. Paul was going to Jerusalem and Ephesian elders wanted to stop him. And he said, no, no, you can't stop me. But let me tell you what's coming your way. He said, there'll be grievous wolves outside of the church. He said, but inside the church, perverse workers are going to rise up. And then he has the audacity to say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. What? What? Forsake not church. You just said there's going to be perverseness in the church. Paul, why don't you just let me stay in my house, church? No, he said there's going to be problems out there too. There's grievous wolves out there. Well, how are we going to make it? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's two sides to beautiful. See, Peter and John were going, and I'm closing. But if Peter and John went, uh, they knew each other. You know, Peter, Mr. Dynamo, and John the dreamer, and Peter hot-headed, and John thoughtful and introspective, and Peter bombastic, and John courteous, and Peter getting a fight in the empty house, and uh, John specializes one-on-one, -on -one, and Peter, who Jesus said, you're Satan and you need to get behind me. Uh, and John, who the Bible says was the disciple Jesus loved. Here they are together. Look around you right now. Look, it's Friday night. 25 years. And yet there's a lot of people saying it's not worth your time. But here we are in the house of the Lord. Because look what the Lord has done. I said, look what the Lord has done. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Somebody set my soul on fire and I came to the house of the Lord and I found that he was closer than any brother. He was closer in the time of struggle and storm than anybody I ever knew before. I found out that when I come to the house of the Lord, I step out of time and I step into a place where I can remember what I used to be. And then I can come and recognize what I am. And then I can see ah, where I'm going to be. If I'm shouting tonight, it might be because of where I came from. But that might not be what I'm shouting about tonight. It could be that I'm shouting because of where I am. But that might not be what I'm shouting about. It could be that I'm shouting about where I'm going. God's working on an itinerary for me. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath. Somebody shout prepared. When I come in here, I see that the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. When I come in here, I realize that unity is a possibility, that a house divided cannot stand.
See, what happens when Jesus comes into a place like this is that people who might not go together get together. From different walks of life do not always understand each other, but are held together by the power of the Holy Ghost. East wind. I want to tell you to say what Paul, I mean what Peter and John said. He said, look on us. I want you to stop for a moment in this 23rd year of the 21st century and ask you a question. Ah, have you looked at yourselves lately? Sometimes you need to stop and look at us uh, Americans and Jamaicans and Italians and Haitians and Iranians and Africans and Cubans, uh, people from the South and Yankees from the North, uh, people from the East and nuts like me from the West. And yet here we are in the same house uh, on the same night uh, singing the songs of Zion. Paul McCartney wrote it, but he couldn't sing it alone, so he went and got an old boy named Stephen Hardwick Morris to join with him in the year of 1982. And they stood in the microphone with dreams in their eyes and said, Ebony and Ivory live together in perfect harmony, side by side on my keyboard. Oh Lord, why? don't we and I want to stand up and tell brother McCartney and brother Stevie one that there is a house it's special don't think it's not special I've traveled around the world and you cannot see populations of churches that are peppered with the beautiful color that's in this house it is not a common thing don't take it for granted but when we get to heaven, it's going to be those of every nation, kindred, tongue, people who come together in the same song of Zion and sing. Somebody prayed for me. Had me on their mind. Took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I'm going to be, but I am who I am by the grace of God. If you had known the 2015 me, I wasn't so good at praying for those who despitefully used me, but I'm still here. I wasn't so good at blessing those that cursed me. But I kept coming back. Because the wicked only go. I mean come and then they go. But the righteous keep coming back. And through a dynamic synthesis, God has a way of taking them in and pushing them out. And taking them in and pushing them out. The body is like a fleshly body and it's got to breathe. And the church has got to be a system of coming and going, coming and going. Huh? While I'm walking in my November here, he's already dancing in my December. 
when I come here in 2023, he's already making a way for me in 2024. I don't know what they're doing at the movies tonight. I don't know what they're doing at the ball game tonight, but I'm already celebrating victory in this house. Somebody said that living for God, God puts a crown over your head and double dog dares you to grow up into it. Every time you come to church, one of these days he's going to give us that crown because we kept coming back. Why, East Wind, are we able to celebrate this tonight? Because this moment of a ghost ceremony is where somebody learned more than just such as I have give I thee. But there's a reason why we're going to keep going back and coming to. Because I have some things for you, East Wind. I need from you. After this celebration is all over, I need hands for healing to stock up again. And line the cars down Emerson all the way to Malabar. To where the sheriff's department is overwhelmed with the problem of the blessing of the Lord from East Wind. Then come back in the house on a Sunday morning and bask in his presence. I need you to get ready for fireworks tents next year, East Wind, so that there can be mission trips taken and paid for and houses can be built and churches can be built. I need you, East Wind, to open the doors for prayer meeting. Come and then go and then come and then go. Brother and Sister Richie, Brother and Sister Tyler and Lila Richie, Brother and Sister Golden, board members, elders, leaders, I need you to protect this house. When it's cold and when it's hot, protect the house. Come and then go. But every time you go, you've already got to come back in you. And every time you come, you've already got to go in you. It's the dynamic symmetry of living for God. Bishop Ellis Myers, I need you to build your next Bible study starting on Monday. Party all weekend. Celebrate what the Lord has done. But I need you to get out your Bible and build another Bible study. Dr. Myers, celebrate your son and your babies all weekend. Enjoy what the Lord has done. But next week, I need you to turn on the light to your counseling chamber because there's some folks that are still coming and others needing to go. And Reverend Dr. Buddy, David Ellis Myers, bask in the blessing of the Lord this weekend. But I need you to get out a world map next week and fall over it and see where is God sending east wind next. Because he didn't build this house for us to sit here and have a full house but the field empty. Wherever you are, whomever you are, whatever you are, there's only one that'll give you the power to go and come and go and come. Jesus makes both sides a beautiful, pretty. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Jesus took him in. And when they bombarded him with the questions from within, 
It was Jesus that they gave him out. We stand for inspection. Years of no fraud, no fairy tale. Years without any major drama. Years of the peace of Jerusalem. Years because of a blessing fount that flows. But it's not over, ladies and gentlemen, because there's one still in the house. One stand alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade his darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. From home and friends, the evil spirits drove him among the tombs. He dwelt in misery. As demon powers possessed him, then Jesus came and set the captive free. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory for when Jesus comes to stay. Unclean, unclean, the leper cried in torment. The deaf, the dumb, in helplessness stood near. The fever raged, disease had gripped its victim. Then Jesus came and cast out every fear. Stand and sing with me. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, he'll take the tears are wiped away he takes the gloom and fills the life with glory for all 
changed when Jesus comes to stay. Hear me. So men today have found the Savior able. They could not conquer passion, lust, and sin. Their broken hearts had left them sad and lonely. Then Jesus came and dwelt himself within. Do you know him today? When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory for For all is changed, for all is changed, when Jesus comes to stay. Amen. Why don't we just take time to come up around the front tonight and just thank the Lord that he has come and he has come to East Wind to stay. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Brother Elms, for that powerful message. Let's just come and give glory and honor to the Lord as we're getting ready to dismiss. God, we praise you and we worship you and we glorify you, Lord. You are great, O oh Lord, and greatly to be praised. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah for what you're doing in our midst. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah.
don't you just link up with somebody pray for a brother or sister tonight ask the Lord to touch them to be with us we thank the Lord hallelujah for this beautiful family of God we're praying oh Lord our pastor will have 25 more years at least amen church will just continue to grow and to blossom we love you Lord we thank you Jesus for your goodness and for your mercies oh Lord we believe in you we trust in you God hallelujah for you are great oh Lord thank you for what you're doing in East Wind, oh God thank you Lord for what you're doing in these ending days we pray a special blessing upon our pastor and for sister Amy and for Luke and Gregory and Sophia Keep your angels encamped about them, O oh Lord. Keep them safe, O oh God. And let us continue, O oh Lord, to move and to come in and to go out of the house of God. Help us, O oh Lord, to realize, hallelujah, that you are on the throne and you're doing a great work in these ending days. We praise you, Lord, and we worship you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here tonight. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.